Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Ash, thank you so much for your time and coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you. My pleasure, Ashish. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Great. So Ash, uh please tell me a little bit about your venture uh Boheko. Uh, so Bombay Hemp Company, uh, you know, as an organization, we just finished eight years. So we moved on from, you know, being a startup now. Uh, as it stands, we are uh, India's first and premier industrial hemp and medical cannabis organization that's vertically integrated with some foot in the door in the domains of uh, lab, farm, factory and market. Um, you know, at the onset, when we began, there was no private or public uh, individual or an organization that was working in the space of hemp and cannabis in India. Uh, so that's when we realized that we weren't just starting a company, but a whole new industry, right? And we had to start everything from scratch. Uh, so, you know, that meant like aligning the entire ecosystem, be it your farmers, scientists, policymakers, the industry partners, consumers, etc. cetera. Uh, and that's what, you know, we've been doing since the very beginning at the onset. You can say that the first five years of Bombayham company went in exploration of the industry where we were mainly focusing on two broad aspects that is regulation um, and the other is uh, scientific uh, research and development. So we've been uh, at it since the very beginning in the year 2013 we started working very closely with the first Indian state that is the state government of Uttarakhand where we started understanding the local uh, you know, and the subsistence use of hemp and cannabis as a crop, where we did realize that people actually in the villages were using hemp and cannabis for their day-to-day needs, be it uh, to make ropes to tie their cattle, be it, you know, use the, the fiber of the plant to use it as winter wood to make fire, or was it uh, consuming seeds for their day-to-day nutritional needs. But people in the cities were, you know, only thought of cannabis as a drug, Right. So we had to go through this entire process of education. And when I talk about education, it doesn't mean uh, about learning about something new, but rather it means unlearning and relearning about a crop that has uh, been a victim of stigma. Right. So uh, we focused a lot of our efforts on education of the crop. Uh, and 2018 onwards, when we got some of our uh, licenses that bore fruit, we started developing high end products in the domains of uh, nutrition, wellness, healthcare, and even textiles. So that in a nutshell is what Bombayham company is. So how many pro- products Yash, uh, currently you have? And is it like uh, B2B and B2C also? You do retail business also? Yeah. So it's an entirely hybrid model, right? Uh, Bombayham company, we are, I mean, we have four main product facing brands. Uh, the number one brand, which is also the priority and the focus of Bombay M company, and you can say 80% over time, money, resources goes towards this, is called Bohico Light, which is uh, nutrition, health and wellness products that are made out of either the hemp seeds or the cannabis leaves. Uh, the other uh, brand, which is a pure, it's a, it's a B2B plus B2C model where we have our own brand as well as we supply our products as ingredients to other existing uh, industries as well, such as pet care, uh, personal care, etc. The other business um, that we are in, we're in the business of textiles and under textiles, we bifurcated ourselves into three broad areas. 
One is a pure B2B angle, which is uh, the supply of fibers and yarns, hemp fibers and hemp yarns uh, to industry giants such as, you know, your Raymonds or Winds of the World uh, in order for them to make uh, textiles for their customers. Uh, the next is a B2, B2C uh, business model, which is called Hemp Fabric Lab, where we supply fabric by the meter uh, to different stakeholders, creators, designers, innovators, brands, etc. And finally, we have B-Label, which is a pure B2C uh, apparels and accessories division, where we make uh, garments and accessories from hemp fabric. Uh, so these are all of the offerings of Bombay M Company. That's that's very interesting, Yash, in terms of never knew there were so many variations apart from the drug uh, hemp can have. So what is the legality around the current scenario like? So the, the does the current hemp contains like, uh, you know, there are two components. Right. If I'm not an expert, but if you can shed some light on it. Right. So you'll be quite surprised. Actually, cannabis as a plant has over 25,000 different uses from tree free paper to biofuel, bioplastic, and the list goes on. Uh, what uh, when it comes to regulation, there are again two kinds of regulation. One is regulation with regards to the cultivation of the plant, which is again cannabis falls in the concurrent list which means that the in a very layman's term the central government drafts the basic guidelines uh, to cultivate the plant but each and every state government uh, can basis their own discretion decide the rules and regulation you know the the kind of the finer details a lot like alcohol right even that's governed by the state predominantly uh, so from a cultivation point of view it completely depends from state to state as of now as we speak there is only one state which is the state of Uttarakhand that has a commercial policy for uh, the cultivation of this plant uh, and there are other states such as Jammu and Kashmir, Uttar Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh, etc. that have, that are giving out licenses for the research use of this plant, right? And only once the research bears fruit will they kind of evolve into a commercial policy. Over and above that, there are many other states such as Rajasthan, Himachal Pradesh, Manipur, uh, Goa, who are now looking at developing some kind of a uh, I'd say policy for this plant, whether R&D or commercial policy, that will only time will tell. The other kind of policy that I mentioned is the product level uh, policy and regulation. Of course, for, you know, uh, products that are not for consumption or for, uh, you know, topical application, the policy will, which is predominantly textiles, right? Uh, there is no policy. You can have like, you know, you can import hemp fabrics, you can source it locally and you can make uh, products from those raw materials and uh, but when it comes to products that are for internal consumption for example then uh, you know there are uh, different again bodies that give out regulations or permissions for that so for food based products it would be FSSAI so FSSAI right now does not have a policy but uh, it is in a very uh, you know final stages to develop a policy to recognize hemp as a food source if you're talking about cannabis-based medicines, then uh, the Ministry of Ayush that governs Ayurveda, uh, you know, gives out licenses. And again, that is state, state Ayush departments gives out licenses uh, in order to manufacture and sell products made, that are made from the cannabis leaves. So uh, as we speak, the entire hemp and cannabis industry is at a very nascent stage with regards to its, uh, you know, policy development. But uh, there are different avenues depending on what product angle you're choosing where hemp can be plugged into either an existing category or a completely new category.
So that's very interesting. And in terms of you mentioned the products uh, from the consumer perspective, so isn't it uh, the cannabis, the products which you are selling contains, does it contain like the THC and CBD, both of it, or how does it work? No, that's a good question because, you know, a lot of exposure that we have is through whatever is available in the Western counterparts, right? Now, in India, if you are working with cannabis-based medicines, what is permitted is a full-spectrum oil. A full-spectrum oil essentially has all the cannabinoids but not limited to just THC and CBD. It has, the cannabis plant has over 113 cannabinoids and the uh, and this policy allows you to work with the whole kind of plant um, makeup, right? So uh, our products, yes, they do have THC and CBD because like I mentioned, it's a full spectrum oil and that's the only way commercial grade products can come out. Um, If it is a topical base, uh, and of course we need to make sure because it has THC and there is potential of abuse, there is responsibility on the end of of the brand or the company in order to make sure it doesn't go in the wrong hands. Um, and also because this product has THC and CBD, this uh, extract, the cannabis leaf extract, gets categorized as a Schedule E1 substance uh, under Ayurveda. So basically, Schedule E1 substances are those substances that have that narcotic effect or a poisonous effect, but also has therapeutic and medical uh, values if taken in certain proportions. So cannabis gets classified in that. And any product with Schedule E1 substances requires to be taken under medical supervision Uh, so you know through a prescription method so a doctor needs to constantly monitor how much what dose you are taking what strength of the product are you taking and basis that help you uh, in your entire journey of consumption so yes that's how it works and uh, of course the you know what you see in the western part of the world which is cbd isolates or concentrates and those kind of products are something that we'll definitely see in the near future but for now, this is the realm under which, you know, anyone in a cannabis-based organization needs to work with. Okay. So basically, it's not uh, uh, it's not the over-the-counter drug sort of thing. You require a prescription and etc. Yeah. So that is only, you know, consumption-based products that has the cannabis leaf extract in it. Not mm-hmm. uh, products with just hemp seed or, you know, hemp seed-based ingredients. Or even if you have a cannabis leaf extract-based products, but only for topical application, that becomes over-the-counter. Okay. And just for the listeners also, and for me too, what's the difference between a hemp and cannabis? Okay, that's a great question. So, uh, what's the difference between the plant? Let's look at it uh, this way. Uh, the can- Look at the cannabis plant as the cat family. Right in the cat family, you have your lion, you have your tiger, and then you have your domesticated cat as well. Right, the cannabis plant works in a similar way, where there are multiple, uh, there are multiple kind of species within the plant and versions of the plant, but they are essentially in the same family. Right, so your hemp is typically referred to as industrial hemp, or in India, it's called Odhyogik bhang, uh, where which is typically used for its industrial or horticulture uses. So your uh, you know, for fiber used to make textiles, to make building material, all of that is industrial hemp. Uh, and that is the low THC format of cannabis, where it has typically globally, as per global standards, has less than 0.3% of THC. When we talk about cannabis, 
the cannabis plant is um, you know referred for either the medical or the recreational plant that is typically used that has that is being used for the cannabinoid profile which is thc cbd cbg cbn etc that is more likely than not categorized as cannabis so if you see the botanical name of the plant it's called uh, there are three main names there's cannabis sativa there is cannabis indica and there is uh, cannabis ruderalis Cannabis sativa is predominantly industrial hemp or the low uh, low narcotic hemp. But given all of the you know the scientific intervention these days, there is no pure sativa or indica. It's all of it is hybrid. They're either sativa or indica dominant. So uh, yeah, I this is you know what the profile of the family looks like. Wow, uh, I must say you absolutely have very thorough knowledge in the segment. Yeah, and so, uh, so Yash, in terms of you mentioned, uh, coming back to little business side perspective of it, you mentioned uh, you are Bombay Hemp Company is vertically integrated. So you do your own cultivation also. Right. No, great question. So uh, when I say vertically integrated, the Bombay Hemp Company's core forte lies in research and development. So, uh, you know, uh, seed breeding, right, uh, or uh, is something that we, you know, do very keenly at Bohico and have developed a core expertise in that area where we work with the government to develop seed varieties that are low in its narcotic value and high yield in terms of its agriculture value, right? So that is the first stage, which is the lab and the research stage where we work with a lot of government uh, institutes, CSIR institutes in partnership with them to conduct these research uh, projects. Then after that is the farm stage. Here what happens is that we, uh, we don't have our own farmlands. What That's not our job and that's why we're a social organization. This is where we work with small and marginal farmers, where we provide them the right kind of genetics to cultivate on their land with a full buyback model, where we tell them that you grow this plant for us and we will buy all the produce that you grow, thereby they don't have to worry about the market. And we set a certain minimum support price and things like that. Now, this is, of course, something that we've just started and it's at a very small scale because they like the industry is only at a very small scale. So we hope to scale this up in the near future. Then comes the next stage, which is the factory stage, right, where we manufacture these products. Uh, again, this manufacturing happens in partnership with a local manufacturer based out of Madhya Pradesh, where we have a license, a loan license on his license through which we manufacture all of these high-end products, but the entire product development as to which product to make. And we have a very strong R&D team that focuses on developing these products. And then it just gets turnkeyed in this factory that we are. And then final stage is the market stage or the brand stage where we own our own brand, which is called Bohico Life or B-Label and Fabric Lab, depending on the vertical. And that is where, uh, you know, we brand and market the products through that extension. So thereby, you know, we're completely vertically integrated from the start to the end. Oh, wow. And what is your, uh, which is the biggest source of uh, revenue for us in terms of uh, like which vertical or which product 
Right. So it is Bohico Life. Bohico Life is our fastest growing and the biggest business that we're a part of. And also that's the core focus of the organization. Why we even started out the textile-based businesses was because that time there was no regulation for these kind of products under Bohico Life to come out. There were no licenses. And as a startup, we had to sustain ourselves and, you know, make sure we're churning out some revenue. So it was essentially the lower hanging fruit, but it also helped us really educate people, right? When we kind of spoke about, say, six, seven years ago, when we were speaking to people about cannabis clothing, the first thing that came to their mind was a Bob Marley t-shirt, right? And that was the cliche. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That was the cliche that existed in the market. But when we launched our range of hemp fabrics, people really touched and felt it and realized that, oh my God, this is actually what hemp-based fabric is. That's when their perception about the crop also started changing. So, uh, and then slowly, steadily started becoming, um, you know, a stable revenue source for us. So we scaled it up marginally. But at the end of 2018, when we got our licenses for nutrition, health and wellness, we pivoted a lot of our energy and focus and instead of kind of you know being jack of all and master of none we kind of took a more focused approach towards bohico life uh, as a as a brand um, and of course we do uh, deploy smaller like lesser amount of resources to scale up textile based business but it's more or less on autopilot mode right now oh wow wow very interesting and in terms of uh... What were you? What were you know the initial sort of challenges? I mean, uh, regulations definitely. But when you guys started out, you know, what were the initial sets of challenges uh, in starting the company? Right. So I'd say the number one challenge was education, right? And I don't mean education just in the mind of the consumer, but I even mean these different stakeholders that are there, mainly the government guys, right? They also probably you know saw cannabis that was growing in our backyard so fun fact 60 percent of indian districts see the wild and feral growth of cannabis without any human effort it just grows by itself right 60 percent and one state alone has as much hemp as all of europe combined right so that's how much cannabis was growing in our backyard because it originated in the himalayas that's the birthplace of the plant right uh, so, um, so, but the government never saw it as a solution. In fact, they saw it as a problem, as a drug menace and things like that. Uh, and thereby they even used to deploy kind of strategies to eradicate the, the plant, right? And that's not humanly possible given the scale at which it was growing wildly. Like they would call for chainsaws and they would try to get rid of the plant, but that wasn't a sustainable solution. That's when we came in and we had to really educate them about the fact that, you know, boss, don't look at this as a problem because you're doing that, you're treating it like a problem. If you look at it like a solution and see that this is one plant that is a solution for your roti, kapla, makan or dawai, right? Then why would you get rid of it? Rather start small cottage uh, industries or, you know, smaller industries and let it thrive. So that unlearning process had to really happen, which took a substantial amount of time, right? Getting someone to change a perception about something is rather tougher compared to, you know, having people learn about something new. So that was, I'd say, the biggest challenge. And the second biggest challenge was the lack of research uh, in, in the in the domain. And of course, because no one had worked on this, there was no enough scientific prudence or research that had been conducted in the field. And because of that, you know, we had to kind of do a lot of digging for these answers ourselves, right? Like As they say, with the first move advantage, 
comes a first more disadvantage where you have to work on all of these things for the industry to thrive. So I'd say the lack of uh, research and development and the lack, lack of education combined with no policy for a plant like this uh, was extremely challenging, but something that, you know, we've been able to uh, kind of solve for with time as well. And where do you see Ash, the current market? You know, I mean, do you see more competition has come into the market and how are you sort of differentiating yourself currently right. in the current scenario? Right, right. No, of course, uh, competition is the nature of business. In fact, competition is a great thing because it helps businesses grow and really become a stronger version of themselves. So, uh, you know, when we started out, there was no other company that was registered with the word hemp in it. But as of, you know, last year when we had once just done an online search, there are more than 50 companies that have been registered with the word hemp in it, right? So there have been, a, and of course, a lot of other companies are working on this plant, but they don't have the word hemp in their name, right? So there have been a lot of companies that have, uh, that are already in the market or have been figuring out their own niches in order to figure out how to move this forward. Uh, what kind of stands, uh, you know, makes us apart from these guys is mainly our, you know, the experience that we bring to the table and all of the partnerships that we've already been able, able to establish in order to, you know, make this industry a thriving industry. Um, and in fact, we don't even look at competition as competition, mainly collaboration or cooperation, right? When the industry is not built, what are we really fighting for? There is no fight, right? Rather, you work together, you build the ship together and then scale it up and of course and then your competition comes in so we in fact uh, you know seven or eight companies out of ten in india we do have some of the other working relationship with um, you know either we're helping them in some way or they're helping us in some way so um, it, it's still uh, you know i'd say uh, in its early stages as an industry and only i feel that in the next three to five years once it's become more robust Will uh, the real competition or, you know, the existing players, uh, you know, and brands would start coming in and looking this as a serious kind of lucrative industry? Well, that's a wonderful perspective, Yash, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, building the segment together with the competitors and, you know, everyone is part of this uh, ecosystem. So yeah. why too, you know? You know, we've, we've always thought of ourselves that you can either go fast or you can go far. Right. Mm. This is, we have always told each other, the founders within themselves that, guys, this is not a hundred meter sprint that we're running. We're running a marathon. It's going to take time. You know, you're going to have to build this out with people. And, you know, if you want to go far, you need a massive ship to carry you that far. Right. And that can't be built alone. That has to happen, uh, you know, with like minded organizations or individuals who have a shared purpose uh, in order to kind of see this through. So. It is, it's not whether what we want, that's not what's important. It's what's needed for the industry to grow and flourish. And and where do you see, uh, Yash, the current market growing? I mean, where do you see opportunities coming up in this segment? You have been through, you have been the first one to enter into this segment. Now, where do you see uh, from your current perspective? Uh, so, you know, interestingly, thinking about this, the kind of the world is our oyster, right? When it comes to cannabis, there's so many opportunities that are coming every day and is growing, right? Uh, of course, um, you know, depending value addition is where I'd say, you know, most of the opportunity lies because getting the raw material to a base level, you know, mainly science and policy are synced or aligned, you know, getting that is the raw material is not 
tough you know adding value and doesn't matter what industry right whether you're making paper or building material or you know medicines or whatever it is as long as you're adding value and your products are really uh, going to kind of uh, outlast the test of time um, then i think there is tremendous opportunity for it to grow but of course uh, if i were to take like you know the global landscape as just a benchmark as to where this industry is headed uh, the medical uses or the health benefits of the plant are far outreaching and of course given the current times thanks to covid you know uh, industries such as health and wellness have become a lot more uh, you know prominent so i'd say that there is opportunity but again india is a land of opportunities we have a large textile ecosystem that can make the most of this plant and uh, so on and so forth so yeah that's that's my perception to this so in terms of you know interesting point in terms of the uh, health and wellness segment so uh, in globally it's more from the perspective from the consumption side right yeah. uh, where it has been sort of legalized in different different states or there were few of the uh, companies in canada which has ipoed uh, yeah. in the this particular segment in india per se uh, uh, how do you see that sort of shift happening or in terms of it will be part of let's say pain management or what sort of like categories you see sorry i'm losing you ashish oh. can you hear me now yeah yeah i lost the last 7 10 seconds oh so i was asking yesh in terms of like uh, uh, recently in canada there are companies which have ipoed uh, uh, cannabis based product in terms of consumption in india where do you see uh, what sort of different categories the particular product can be applied uh, apart from pain management etc sure so uh, the real answer is actually to still to be known because only once you know products and uh, is launched in the market will you really know what the market is looking for right and i'd say right now uh, the onus is in india if you take from india's point of view the category still needs to be created it does not exist people don't see empor cannabis as a need based product right it's like a lifestyle product or they've probably seen it when they're traveling overseas or you know the the perception of it is very i'd say uh, what's the right word it's very primitive right uh, only once people start seeing this as a need and start adopting this as a commodity will be really know but my initial hunch if you were to ask me uh, you know india is the land of traditional medicine right and uh, we have ayurveda that is making a massive comeback just like how yoga did a few years ago uh, so i definitely see you know plant based healing as as the future of healing and you know cannabis occupying a very significant space in this entire uh, you know concept so this is what i feel and of course um, you know even in textiles i feel that the opportunity is great given that you know india is such a massive producer of textiles uh, and that ecosystem already exists unlike uh, what you see in canada or the us where there is no textile ecosystem or you know anything else like that so i definitely feel that these are the two categories that are going to really um, outshine but uh, again the future is unpredictable and we'll only know in time what the market really is demanding for oh yes yes absolutely uh, and what what what's your plan in terms of to expand into the segment have you already raise some funds you plan to raise uh, funds in the coming future yeah. how do you plan to expand into the segment 
Right. No, so we have raised our first round of funding in the end of 2016. Uh, in fact, Mr. Ratan Tata was the first investor of the organization. And we had some other notable names like Mr. Rajan Anandan, who's the then Google India MDC uh, and the Gates Foods family and many such other uh, individuals who uh, kind of entrusted, you know, Bohiko to to take this to the next level. Uh, and uh, of course, we plan to raise more money in the coming few months, uh, given depending on how some of the industries shape up. We do have plans to for exponential growth uh, in the next two years. So definitely keeping that entire growth trajectory in mind, we plan to continue you know, with our fundraising, but also tie up with the right kind of strategic partners who can help us, uh, I'd say, achieve our vision that we have. Wow, interesting. Uh, I think it's definitely uh, uh, good to have names like Ratan Tata uh, on your investor list. That definitely gives a lot of credibility. I mean, and it must be helpful also oh, well. when you're going into the market. You know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's a it's a huge blessing to have someone like him to be a part of our journey. Um, of course, you know, when we started out, we were very young. We were like, what, 21, 20, 21. And we're, of course, when you're this young, you know, people don't really take you at face value. And then when, you know, big wigs like Mr. Tata join um, the journey, there is immediate trust and credibility that's attached to your name. And also that trust and credibility comes with a huge responsibility to make sure that you're doing this in the absolute right manner. So, yes, it's a blessing and we cannot thank our stars enough. And Yash, in terms of, uh, I want to touch upon in terms of the management side of things. So uh, 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 when I saw your website, so there were uh, uh, not just one, two or three, there were yeah. many founders, yeah. co-founders into the business. So how does that particular piece works? Because uh, I have seen uh, many times, you know, uh, it's good to have a co-founder, you know, you can delegate responsibilities and tasks uh, and define boundaries very much clearly. Uh, so, but how does it sort of pans out to have, I mean, I just wanted to understand from your perspective, the pros and cons of having multiple co-founders uh, in a business. Sure, sure. No, we get asked this question quite a lot of times, right? We were a team of seven co-founders when we started out, out of which six are actively working within the organization right now. But it takes me back to the uh, to the. Uh, previous point right that we weren't just starting a company we're starting a whole new industry and we needed a whole army that can really help mobilize um, the kind of work that we're trying to do right and again uh, you know given the the dynamism of the industry and what you can really achieve having more co-founders only helps of course what was most important to us that each of us were aligned to a common vision that can you know take this um, this organization to newer heights and that is where we've been aligned and that's why we were stuck together right so uh, we uh, you know definitely we've come a long way with regards to that and we've had our own share of ups and downs i wouldn't say it's all been hunky dory here but uh, again we were all united by a common vision that's what brought us together and that's what has kept us together and how did you guys sort of uh came together like there was a common touch point or you guys know each other when yeah. you started out no no we knew each other so we all seven of us co-founders were a part of hr college which is a college based out of bombay 
uh, and interestingly what had happened was the story is quite fascinating right uh, when we started out not all of us were friends right three to four of us were good friends and the others were acquaintances from college but what brought us all together was this one project that we had done in college which was a, a social entrepreneurship project um that uh, and it was under this vertical in college called saif which was student and free enterprise so the project that we were doing was called project chirag which was a solar rural electrification project so we were actually from you know college we had made this entire business model um, you know where there was a solar kit that was prepared by a bunch of paraplegic patients and we'd go to different villages uh, outside of in and around maharashtra and outside of maharashtra as well now during those college trips what we realized was that uh, you know every 100 kilometers in india everything changed people landscape culture food language everything right but there's one thing that was common that was the uh, wild growth of cannabis and people were using this cannabis plant for their you know self sustenance use um, so we saw that and we said okay this is very interesting you know we were only perceived of cannabis as a drug and then after one of those village trips we came back and we just started reading a lot on the internet and globally there was a lot of un cry about cannabis as an industry so we said guys okay this is an interesting opportunity but we need to know more and do more um then coincidentally one of my co-founders jahan he visited his family in australia and he came across this small town called margaret river where and the town was quite self sufficient when it came to you know how it was doing compared to the neighboring towns so there he saw that you know the town was thriving on two things one was grapes for wine and the other was hemp for everything else from shirts to surfboards so he came back with a lot of samples and showed it to us and we really got excited and we said okay guys this is what we could do so if everyone's willing to kind of you know take this risk and take a punt on creating this massive industry Uh, then let's do it and of course all of us were on board and uh, yeah that's how that's how the idea really you know came together so it, the college brought us together and this uh, the entrepreneurship project that we did kind of established us as as founder so the college is not not asking you any equity in the business <laughs> no no nothing like that the college doesn't that yeah nothing like that okay. that's a very fascinating story you know it's almost like uh, reading a good novel it's <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much yes it's a very fascinating story i must say yeah uh, wow um and uh, so yeah so after you sort of then you got you guys got together and everything and then you have been running it till now so what has been uh, and then sort of the covid pandemic happened you know mm-hmm. uh, out of nowhere so what has been the impact of covid on your business right so of course covid was not nice to anyone that was affected by it be it individuals or businesses right it was a very trying time for us as an organization as well especially the initial first 2 to 3 months of the lockdown when there was so much chaos and confusion in the air the which way are we headed um so those were those months were pretty bad but um, you know after i mean once you know consumers started resurging and you know activities started opening up it it kind of the business has actually gone back to where it was right so we we've been quite stable since i'd say october i'd say september actually of last year uh and it's been looking only upward from then 
um so yeah of course you know when covid was happening we were seeing globally other countries were already getting affected and uh, obviously we knew that india wasn't too far behind this was going to come for everyone so we had taken some measures in order to kind of curb our costs and you know kind of curtailed all curtailed all the good to have expenses uh so that kind of really helped us and this i'm talking about in january and february is when i'm talking about when we started doing this we moved our warehouse actually to a much more uh, conducive place when it comes to uh, your logistic uh, environment and things like that so but yeah covid was bad but now it's good the grass is always greener uh, on the other side so we were always hopeful that it's going to be a better tomorrow uh, we were just focusing on survival during those 3 months but then after that uh, you know we've been fairly lucky with how things have shaped up because mainly we've been focused on health and wellness and uh, there was an increasing need for products in in those categories so yeah it's all it's been good since then and your primary point of sale is through uh, online i'm presuming or do you have retail outlets or some collaboration with outlets i mean how do you uh, yeah the... so the biggest channel for us is definitely our own websites through it's a fully integrated e-commerce website where through which we sell our products but we also have retail presence we are available across all of our brands we are available in about 100 stores across india and of course retail had taken a huge hit during uh, covid but i mean we weren't overly reliant on retail for our sales it was mainly our online website so that uh, that i mean was a blessing for us right because we had full control of how we want to shape that up and things like that uh, and also we are heavily reliant on b2b which is other businesses picking up so mm. uh, that was the second uh, you know channel that really picked up for us and um, has been actually b2b has been quite promising for us since since the covid days definitely i think since uh, uh... you were doing business pre covid most of the uh, the in the retail space uh, uh, through your own website and uh, through your e-commerce platform i think uh, you were not shaken as much as the other sort of retail yeah. brands which relied on the footfalls physical footfalls correct perfect and so what has been in terms of you know uh, 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 your key learnings uh, if i can say in terms of if or let me put it the other way my favorite question if you were to start again uh seeing yash at the age of 21 and yeah. now <laughs> the new yash yeah. what would you have done things differently seeing all these years uh and uh, into this segment what yeah. would what would be your key takeaways right i'd say the biggest takeaway would have been the the focused approach that we have now i hope we had it back then as well uh, but because it was so new and so uncharted the entire industry that we were kind of spread across the entire board and we were trying to do a lot of things right and that kind of causes um, you know divergence in your concentration but also your resources as well right so i wish we had a more focused approach we knew exactly what we had to do uh so that would i'd say be the biggest uh, you know uh, takeaway and um, apart from that i i you know if i were to think a little more about what else could have been different i'd probably uh, you know say um hiring the right kind of uh, resources right so because we've come a long way we've had kind of our share of 
hiring all kinds of people and working with different people some people who you know weren't the best fit given the kind of uh, life stage that they were at so probably being a lot more sharper with our hiring but apart from that you know i don't think there's a much there's a lot that we could change even if we wanted given the kind of constrained industry that we're working in wow wow definitely some wise words you know in terms of uh, having a focus approach i think and hiring i think these are very good uh, two key common uh, things which i've seen across the spectrum and yash in terms of uh, your recommendation for someone who wants to start a business in hemp what will that be right so whoever wants to start a business with hemp of course uh, roll up your sleeves and be ready to kind of uh, be patient with how the industry is shaping up because there are a lot of dependencies right like it's not like you want to do something and that can happen you have to depend on the regulator or the farmer or you know there is some or the other dependency which is outside of your control uh i'd also definitely say that be sure of what category or industry you want to get in because there are pros and cons of every industry that you know you're working with and very very critical to understand what your strengths are as a business uh because hemp is a crop because it has over 25000 uses and it's such a uh, you know conducive industry even seeing it globally uh, people can get ahead of themselves right or both in a josh mein hosh ko baithna that's very easy to happen <laughs> in, in an industry like this so yeah as long as you have like a very structured thought as to what you want to achieve from this then i think uh, this industry is for you wonderful wonderful yash thank you so much for your time and educating us and the listeners and everyone else i think it's 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 uh, it's it was wonderful to hear you and understand how this segment is growing and what all sort of uh, wonderful products uh, and great products uh, bombay hemp company is making thank you very much ashish indeed a pleasure to be a part of this and thank you for doing this i think uh cannabis really requires a platform to be spoken about and you know out there i mean doesn't matter whether positive negative that doesn't matter but as long as there's a platform and i really thank people such as yourself for uh you know for doing this so thanks once again thank you everyone for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this podcast uh, we will be back with more interesting episodes soon stay tuned